Hi everyone, I'm so glad you're here. My name is Chloe Skurlak and I wanna to talk to you today all about fertility awareness. I'm a Justice Holistic Reproductive Health Practitioner and a Certified Fertility Awareness Educator. And I wanna start by sharing a little bit about my story. So how I discovered fertility awareness was actually through birth control. I was in my early 20s. I was taking the hormonal birth control, the pill, for the very first time and because I was a little bit older, I'd already had friends who had some pretty crappy side effects on the pill, so I decided to write myself a manifestation letter. I wrote, Dear Chloe, once you start taking hormonal birth control, you are going to have the clearest skin. You're going to lose weight. You're going to be so happy. You're going to have unprotected sex with your boyfriend carefree anytime you want. And the list went on and on and on. Well, I was on hormonal birth control for less than a year, and let me tell you, the letter didn't work. My hair was falling out, I had really bad acne, my mood swings would go from raging tears to rage and anger, and less than a year, I'd had enough. So that's what started my search for a hormone-free birth control. At first, I thought about the IUD, but my mother was quick to tell me, no, 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 she had had bad experiences on the IUD. I had heard about low dose hormones. I had thought about the NuvaRing. In fact, I had even purchased one. And I was in bed with my partner at the time and I pulled it out and he gasped, you are not putting that penis strangling apparatus up your vagina. So the ring never went in. I'd even discovered the calendar method or the rhythm method, the idea that you could track the days of your cycle and laughed about the ineffectiveness of that. And that's when I finally came across the fertility awareness method. Did you know that women and people with cycles are only fertile six days per cycle? That's right. We're not even capable of getting pregnant in most of our cycle. And that's the basis of the fertility awareness method. Learn to identify when those days are, when you're fertile and when you're not, and you can use this information for so many things. So today I wanna to give you an introduction to fertility awareness. I wanna talk about what it is, how it works, who can benefit from it and where to get started. Fertility awareness is simply the daily practice of being aware of your signs of fertility. These signs include your cervical mucus, your basal body temperature, and your cervical position. So let's talk about who does this, who practices fertility awareness. Well, for example, like in my case, you can use the fertility awareness practice for a hormone-free, super effective natural birth control. It's over 99% effective, and that's just as effective as the pill. But you can also use it for the opposite. You can use it to conceive. In fact, according to research, less than 13% of people seeking fertility treatment couldn't even identify their fertile time. A super important skill if you're trying to achieve pregnancy. And did you know that your menstrual cycle is your fifth vital sign? That's right. So you can actually use your cycle to monitor and improve your reproductive and your overall health. Take period cramps, for example. Even though so many of us have them, that doesn't mean they're normal. Period pain is a messenger. It's revealing a problem. For example, it may be revealing a hormone imbalance, an underlying medical condition, a nutrient deficiency, or food allergy. And this is just one of the things that you can understand about your health, about your overall health, including your reproductive health, through charting your menstrual cycle. 
And this information can help someone better understand themselves in their cycle. By getting more in tune and in touch with the different phases of your cycle, you can better understand how you change emotionally and physically throughout each cycle and learn how to take better care of yourself. And fertility awareness can be practiced by everyone who menstruates, whether you have regular or irregular cycles, if you're coming off of hormonal birth control, or if you're going through changes in your cycle like in breastfeeding or perimenopause. So let's talk about how this actually works. And I'm gonna start by introducing you to your internal reproductive organs. Why don't you stand up with me? Okay, so first, find your belly button and put your thumbs together at your belly button. Now, use your pinky fingers and your ring fingers and do a little tap. That's where you'll find your ovaries. Now take your pointer and your middle finger, tap there, and that's where you'll find your uterus. So I wanna show you a picture of the internal reproductive organs. Here are the ovaries. They're the size and shape of unshelled almonds. This is where an egg is released once per cycle in an event called ovulation. Then that egg would be picked up by these little fingers called fimbrae of the fallopian tubes, also called the egg tube. And if fertilization occurs, it'll, it's going to occur here in the tube. This is the uterus. It's the size and shape of an upside down pear. Here's where the egg would implant, or if no implantation occurred, it's this lining of the uterus called the endometrium that would shed and what we would see as menstruation. At the bottom of the uterus, serving as a gate between your uterus and the vagina, is the cervix. If you've ever touched your cervix, it might feel like a little grape, little grape with a dimple on it. The cervix is where the wonderful nectar of fertility, cervical mucus, comes from. And then you have your vagina. Not to be confused with the vulva. That's everything on the outside. Okay, but actually, Everything starts here in the brain. So it's your pituitary gland, also called that third eye right here, that is a part of your endocrine system and it uses chemical messengers called hormones to communicate with the whole body. So in terms of fertility, the pituitary gland is going to tell the ovaries to produce and mature the egg or the ovum and to release the ovarian hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And this cycle that's happening in the ovaries is what drives the whole reproductive cycle. Sometimes we also call the menstrual cycle. Here, let me show you a picture of an oversized ovary and go through the ovarian cycle with you. Okay, so this is a picture of one complete cycle. So day one is the first day of menstruation. Here, where ovulation is occurring will happen mid-cycle. And this will be the tail end or the end of your cycle the day before the next period. Okay, so remembering it all starts in the brain. The brain releases a hormone that tells these primor primordial follicles to begin to grow. It's one of these many are called but few are chosen situations. We see in this picture, four follicles are growing. And when the follicle grows, it releases estrogen and we need a trigger amount of estrogen to be able to tell the brain it's ready and the follicle is going to release its egg. In the case of fraternal twins, there might be two follicles that release the egg at the same time. 
So the brain receives this message, sends down its second hormone, and the follicle releases its egg, this is called ovulation, and then transforms into the corpus luteum. The corpus luteum now releases progesterone, and we've entered the second half of the ovarian cycle. If fertilization were to occur, then the corpus luteum would remain and continue pumping out progesterone. But if no implantation occurs, no fertilization occurs, then the corpus luteum is no longer needed. So it dies, it disintegrates, and it's the withdrawal of progesterone that signals the next period. That's why a missed period is the first sign of pregnancy. So even though day one of the menstrual cycle is menstruation, and even though it's a super obvious sign that we're all familiar with, it's not the main event of the cycle. Ovulation is. Ovulation is what drives the whole cycle. And it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when people say, I'm on my cycle, to describe when they're on their period. Actually, once you hit puberty and you start having the cycle, you can never get off. You can see there's something amazing happening every single day. The only time you can get off is if you're on hormonal birth control or you're menopausal. So these ovarian hormones, estrogen and progesterone, are what's driving this whole cycle, right? And they're also what's causing all of the changes that we can see in a fertility awareness practice. For example, let's take menstruation. It's a super obvious change. Here, I'm going to show you a picture of the endometrial lining growing and shedding. So this picture represents one complete cycle. So here is day one of the first day of menstrual flow. Here somewhere in the middle is going to be ovulation, and here's the day before the next period. So as you can see, the lining is changing throughout the cycle. So this represents the endometrial lining, remember in that uterus, where we tapped with those middle and pointer fingers. And estrogen's effect on the lining is proliferatory. So it makes it grow, 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 grow. And progesterone's effect is secretory. So it makes it really thick and juicy. I often like to describe the endometrial, the uterus and the endometrial lining as an empty baby's room, for example. And so imagine we just had menstruation, so everything is left, it's all bled out, it's empty. And imagine estrogen goes to Ikea and gets all the things that you need for the bedroom. And we go back and we pile the boxes in the middle of the room. That's what estrogen does. Now once ovulation occurs, progesterone has to come in to unpack the boxes. And that's why having a balance in estrogen and progesterone is super important because we don't want too many boxes and we don't want any boxes unpacked. And if that doesn't occur, that's how we start having periods that are heavy or clotty or painful. And a true menstruation or a real period is one that follows ovulation by about two weeks. So if ovulation occurs and there's no fertilization, then about two weeks later, you will have a bleeding event because this little corpus luteum here at the bottom, it's like a little egg timer. And if no fertilization occurs, then it's going only has so many days to live until it disintegrates. Okay, so now I wanna show you the hormonal changes that are happening throughout the cycle. Here is a picture again of a complete cycle. So day one is the first day of menstrual flow. Somewhere mid-cycle is ovulation. And then here would be the day before the next period. So we have these lines here. It represents estrogen coming from that growing follicle in the ovary. And here with the dots is progesterone. 
which will come from the corpus luteum in the second half of the cycle. So you can see how the hormones fluctuate. So for example, in someone with hormonal birth control, they won't have this fluctuation fluctuations anymore, which is why they're not, it's not regulating anything. It's actually just kiboshing this whole process so that we don't make our own estrogen and progesterone. But estrogen and progesterone are so important. We have receptors for estrogen and progesterone all over our whole body. We have receptors in our bones, in our breasts, in our brains. And that's why when we start messing with these hormones, we get overall whole body effects from this hormonal birth control. And when we are not on hormonal birth control and we're regular, we're ovulating regularly and, and having all of these hormones, estrogen and progesterone, our body truly benefits all around. Now, another place where we have these receptors is in the cervix. So here below you can see there is the red for menstruation. Green is when you see nothing on your toilet paper. And these different kinds of purples are where you have different kinds of cervical mucus. So notice that as estrogen levels rise, cervical mucus becomes visible at the vulva, letting us know that ovulation is near. Then ovulation happens somewhere in this window. And then once progesterone takes over, part of progesterone's role is to dry up that cervical mucus to make it into a plug so we don't see it anymore. And now I wanna show you a little bit of cycle variations. So this is a picture of three different cycles. We have a short cycle, a moderate cycle, and a long cycle. What do you notice is different between each of these cycles? Mm-hmm, that green phase before ovulation. In the shorter cycle, that dry, dry phase is really short, whereas in the longer cycle, it's much longer. So what actually changes the cycle length is the time of ovulation. Here's another one of my pet peeves. I hate it when people say their period is late because your period is never late. In fact, it's always going to come on time exactly when it's supposed to. What's late is ovulation and all kinds of stress cause a delayed ovulation. That's physical stress, chemical stress, emotional stress. And when ovulation is delayed, that will delay the period. Because remember that corpus luteum has that egg timer. So once the egg leaves the ovary and the corpus luteum is formed, that will decide how many days it will be until you get your next period. Okay, now let me ask you this. When the egg leaves the ovary, how long do you think it has before it disintegrates? How long does it have to be fertilized? Less than a day, 12 to 24 hours, that's it. It's a miracle that we get pregnant at all. So what extends the fertile time then? Because we're, like I said at the beginning, we have our fertile for six days per cycle. So what extends that period is cervical mucus. Now I wanna show you a greater than life-size picture of the cervix. Here it is. Sometimes we call it nature's gate because sometimes it's open and sometimes it's closed. So we have this picture of the cervix and the column. So there's an external opening and an internal opening. The internal opening goes into the uterus. The external opening goes into the vagina. Now under the influence of estrogen, the gate is open. 
And when the gate is open, it releases cervical mucus that's visible at the vulva on our toilet paper. This cervical mucus is really important for sperm transportation. It gives it energy to keep going. It nourishes it. It changes the, the pH of the vagina, making it more alkaline and sperm friendly. And did you know that sperm come with their own condoms? Yeah, they have these little hats and they have to be removed. This film has to be removed in a process called capacitation that occurs in the cervical mucus. Plus, once they get through the cervical mucus into the cervix, they can hang out in there for three to five days. And that's what makes that six day fertile window. Now, after ovulation and when progesterone is dominant, this hormone closes the cervix back up. So it creates a mucus plug where we don't see anything at the vulva or on the toilet paper. The vagina refer returns back to its acidic sperm hostile state and the plug prevents anything from getting in. So not just sperm, but pathogens and bacteria and infections and all that stuff. Okay. So the first thing you do in a fertility awareness practice is pay attention to that cervical mucus. Now, no two menstrual cycles are alike. That's why I sometimes call them snowflakes. But let me show you, generally speaking, what someone might notice in their cervical mucus patterns. So this wheel represents one full cycle. So again, we've just taken that line at the bottom and created a wheel. So red means menstruation, green means dry, there's no cervical mucus there. And then the purple, light and dark purple, is when you do see cervical mucus. So we have menstruation starting about three to five days. Starts off heavy, tapers down to light. Ideally, there's no clots, no pain, nice bright red color. And then after menstruation, you may not notice anything on your toilet paper. This could be a couple days to a couple of weeks. Maybe you just see some damp, wet, or shiny on the toilet paper but eventually there'll be a change. And that change will look like cervical mucus that you can pick up off your toilet paper. Maybe it starts to look a little sticky and cloudy, and as the days continue, it starts to look a little bit more tacky or stretchy and a little bit clearer. And eventually you'll have a peak day, which is the last day you have peak type cervical mucus that's either clear or stretchy or lubricative. So when you wipe, you get that slippery sensation, like your elbow is going to hit the back seat of the toilet bowl. Then we count three days after that peak day. And once you started seeing the cervical mucus until the end of that third day, that's when someone is considered fertile. Now, the reason why the remainder of the cycle is counted is because again of that egg timer. So without fertilization, that corpus luteum is going to have a lifespan. Mine might be 12 days, yours might be 15. In general, they will be about 11 to 16 days. And it should stay pretty consistent from each purse or each cycle for yourself. So we start that count, and if no fertilization occurs, then menstruation starts and the whole cycle starts over. Notice that it also says menstruation is fertile in this picture. And that's because we're not taught how to identify a true menstruation. And there are many other reasons why someone might be bleeding and whether it's ovulatory bleeding, implantation bleeding. And so you don't want to start considering any kind of bleeding infertile until you started confirming ovulation. 
And once you do, then your heavy and moderate days of menstruation can be considered infertile. And once you hit your light and very light days, you just want to be start, you want to start looking for that cervical mucus because it can overlap with menstruation. So let's talk about how you can actually start a fertility awareness practice and paying attention to your cervical mucus today. Here's the checklist. You want to check for cervical mucus every single time you go to the bathroom and check before and after you use the washroom. You also want to check before and after bathing and if you were to get up in the middle of the night to pee. Then you make a mental note of what you observe throughout the day and you chart your most peak type sign at the end of the day. And you want to do this practice every single day, except you get a break from heavy and moderate days of menstruation. I always tell people heavy and moderate days of menstruation are for resting. So you can even rest and take a break from your cervical mucus observations. So that's when to check. Let's talk about how to check. And it's going to start with your super duper fancy high tech cervical mucus checking apparatus toilet paper. What you're going to do is you are going to start by folding your tissue into a flat square. You are creating a cervical mucus canvas. Then what you're going to do is again, before and after you go to the bathroom, you take this cervical mucus canvas and you wipe from front to back. While you wipe, you ask yourself, how did it feel when you went across the perineum? So the perineum is the space between the opening of your vagina and your anus. It feels a lot like your wrist. So you just ask yourself, how did that sensation feel? It may have felt dry, smooth, or lubricative. Lubricative automatically is a fertile sign. Then you observe, is there anything on your toilet paper? And remember, most of the time there won't be. And then you're going to finger test. So take in your pointer finger, just see if anything gets picked up off of your toilet paper. And if you can, you're going to hold it at eye level and try and pull it apart like this. So we use the acronym SOFT to make it easier to remember. S stands for sensation. O stands for observation. FT stands for finger test. And you're going to practice SOFT every time you use the bathroom before and after. Now, when you can pick something up off of the toilet paper, you're going to use the three C's to describe what you see. Color, consistency, and change. Now, some of the colors that you might notice in your cervical mucus is cloudy, clear, cloudy, clear mucus. You might also notice some red or pink or brown, and you might even notice some yellow. All of these are normal colors that you can see in cervical mucus. The second thing you're going to pay attention to is the consistency. You might notice mucus that is sticky. That's mucus that only stretches to about a quarter of an inch. You might also notice mucus that is tacky. Tacky is mucus that will stretch to about a half an inch to three quarters of an inch. Or you might notice mucus that is stretchy. Stretchy is mucus that will stretch an inch or more. Other consistencies you might notice are pasty. Pasty kind of looks like the glue from a glue stick. Or you might see some gummy mucus. Gummy mucus kind of looks like that gummy stuff that sticks your credit card to the piece of paper when they mail it to you. 
And the last C is change. Change is a much more subtle characteristic, but it's super important. And that's noticing how your cervical mucus patterns change throughout the day or even throughout your cycle. But what's important to note is that all cervical mucus is fertile. Let me show you an example of a mucus only chart. Here we see three separate charts. This one is 28 days long, 33 days long, 32 days long, and we like to use stamps with the Justice method. So red means menstruation or bleeding. Green is dry, meaning you see no cervical mucus. Light purple is non-peak mucus, and dark purple is peak type mucus. That's any mucus that's clear or stretchy or comes with that lubricative sensation when you wipe. So notice that peak day, that last day you see peak type mucus, is happening here on day 14. So it results in a 28-day cycle. But in the other two cycles, that mucus happens a lot later. So that's what lengthens the cycle. And as you can see, sometimes it's a super easy, nice comes and then goes situation. But especially in the day and age we're living in now, we're experiencing a lot of stress. And remember, stress can delay ovulation. So here we're starting to see some stop and start of cervical mucus. So there's a bit more of a wave of opening and closing but the rules remain the same. When you see cervical mucus, you're fertile. Now paying attention to the cervical mucus patterns in your chart is one way that you can assess your health and the health of your cycle. For example, I like to see about three to six days of cervical mucus in a chart with at least one day of peak type mucus. Now if I started seeing mucus in the second half of the cycle, that might be a sign of something, like maybe some progesterone deficiency or too much estrogen happening. Also, I want to be looking at the second half of the cycle. So how long is this post-ovulatory or luteal phase? That's starting from the day after peak until the last day of the cycle. So a health, some healthy signs I would see from these charts would be a consistent post-ovulatory or luteal phase, not seeing any cervical mucus in this phase, that the person is not having any premenstrual syndromes that are debilitating their life in this phase. And then lastly, we're looking at menstruation as well. So how is this person experiencing their menstruation? Is it clotty and heavy or painful? Or is it just last, you know, four to four to seven days, about 30 to 60 milliliters, you know, no pain, bright red. And so that's how we are starting to use the cycle as the fifth vital sign. In fact, even this idea that the only way to have a healthy cycle is 28 days is wrong. In fact, a cycle between 25 to 36 days is totally normal. And we know that a variation in cycle length happens often because of that delay in ovulation. And that's cervical mucus. The second sign that some people choose to chart is basal body temperature. Now cervical mucus can be charted alone because with that information only, you have access to when someone opens the fertile time and when it's closed, you can confirm that ovulation is happening with cervical mucus. And like I mentioned before, we can look at the parameters of someone's cycle just with cervical mucus alone. But some people like to add in the additional sign basal body temperature because it, it can be helpful in confirming ovulation and in predicting when your period will come. So BBT is your basal body temperature. It's a measurement of your body at rest. 
This picture shows one complete cycle. So here at the beginning, this is ovulation in the middle, and the day before the next period. And what you're noticing is this red line that's demonstrating ovulation, all of the temperatures before are relatively low. And then after ovulation occurs, now the temperatures shift and remain high until the period comes. So why this happens is again, going back to that ovarian cycle, the progesterone coming from the corpus luteum is what causes this shift. Now the shift doesn't have to be very big. It's, it's as small as 0.2 degrees Celsius or 0.36 degrees Fahrenheit. But when you plot it on a graph like this, it's still super obvious. So like I said, BBT can be super helpful for confirming ovulation. And once you learn how many high shifts you usually have in your post-ovulatory or luteal phase, you can then learn to count how many days will be until your period comes. The temperature is also helpful in assessing other areas of your reproductive and overall health. For example, your thyroid health, nutrient deficiencies, or a food allergy. But the kind of thermometer that you use does matter. Because we're trying to measure not just any temperature, but the BBT, the basal body temperature, it's important that we get an accurate reading. Now, the thermometer I recommend is actually a good old glass thermometer. I like glass thermometers because they're easy to use, there's no lights or beeping, and even though I've broken a whole bunch, they're still cheaper. Now, if you can't find a glass thermometer or you don't like the idea of using glass, you can also use a digital an ovulatory ovulation thermometer or BBT thermometer. So just they're most, they're most accurate and they often will read until a two decimal places, which is what we kind of need when we're using digital. Essentially, you just don't look for a fever thermometer or a baby thermometer with a duck on it because those take the readings too fast. So this is a fancy thermometer here, but really all you need is a very simple Digital will also do the trick. And there are so many different kinds of thermometers you can buy now. There is a temp drop, which is a wearable thermometer that you wear under your arm while you sleep, and it takes thousands of readings throughout the night. So let's talk about what you need to do to read your basal body temperature. You're going to take your temperature first thing in the morning, ideally after a minimum of five hours of restful sleep. I recommend taking it for 10 minutes. I know, but don't worry, snooze button. What you're gonna do is wake up 10 minutes before you need to actually get up and then put your thermometer under the arm, under your clothing, or orally if you prefer, and hold it in there for 10 minutes. If you're using a digital, hold it there first before turning it on. That's just going to allow the thermometer to warm up and actually get an accurate reading. Then you're gonna Plot your temperature on a symptothermal chart and just make sure that you're ruling out or identifying or circling temperatures that might be disturbed. Like if you had drank alcohol the night before, if you slept in, if you woke up in the middle of the night to pee and didn't get the full five hours, if you were feeling sick and had a fever. So you'll discover there are a lot of things that may cause a disturbance in the temperature reading. And that's why it's important to combine both so you don't wanna do temperature alone. You wanna have a cervical mucus practice with an addition to the temperature. So here's an example of a symptothermal chart. We have again a complete cycle here. We have our cervical mucus observations below, 
And as you can see here where we had that cervical mucus window, the shift occurred. We can count how many days until the period happens. And here you even have these high temperatures that were ruled out as a disturbance. Looks like they were up late one night and they took the temperature late the other, the other morning. So when we're trying to identify ovulation, we would say that ovulation probably occurred the day before the shift, which would coincide with peak day of this person's charts. And then lastly, if you're super adventurous, you can even add cervical position. Cervical position also changes throughout your cycle because of those ovarian hormones, estrogen and progesterone. So in this case, it doesn't just open the cervix and release cervical mucus, the actual cervix changes completely. It changes in position from high to low or tilted back or tilted forward. It changes in its texture. Sometimes it feels like the tip of your nose and sometimes it feels soft like your lips and it even changes of course the openness sometimes it's open and sometimes it's closed now the thing about cervical position is it's not so black and white like with temperature and cervical mucus you actually have to put the time in to get to know your own cervix and how it changes throughout your cycle so all you have to do is at the end of the day is when i recommend it because you've already had a bowel movement you're about to chart anyways you're doing your last check of the day you're going to go ahead and wash your hands in a nice squatted position or with your foot up on the toilet or something that's comfortable, you're going to insert your longest finger into your vagina and you're gonna feel that little grape with the dimple on it. And you're gonna ask yourself, how does the position feel? How does the texture feel? And is it open or closed? Then you do this every single day for your whole cycle, except for heavy and moderate days of menstruation. And soon you'll have a much more intimate idea of how your cervical position changes throughout your cycle. And it can help you to feel more confident in identifying your fertile and infertile phases. And also is a super awesome body loving practice that I love to do every day. Wow, we have covered a lot in such a short amount of time. I wanna leave you with some next steps. What can you do? So it really can be as simple as paying attention to that toilet paper. You're already wiping, right? All you're gonna do is now you're going to start consciously wiping, and paying attention to what you feel and what you see on your toilet paper before and after you go to the bathroom. And you wanna find something to chart those observations on, whether it is a paper chart or like with the Justice method, I offer a downloadable one free on my Instagram. You can also use an app. So we have the justicechartingapp.com, offers you a place where you can chart your observations on your computer, or my newest favorite app on smartphones is the Read Your Body app. And I do really encourage you to invest in some education to learn the fertility awareness method through a fertility awareness practitioner or educator. There are so many of us and we are so awesome and ready to help you understand your cycle and charts better. I also offer a 30 minute online fertility awareness consultation. So I'd be happy to meet with you, hear your story and discuss how fertility awareness can change your life for the better. 
I offer a three month private program that also happens online. And because you've shown up today with an interest in fertility awareness, I am so happy to offer each and every one of you $100 off my program. So please get in touch with me so we can start that as soon as possible. I also co-facilitate the Fertility Awareness Charting Circle. Currently they're happening online the last Monday of every month from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Again, get in touch with me so I can send you the link so you can join us online in the charting circle. Everyone is welcome, irregardless of your gender, your sexual orientation, or your knowledge level. They're super fun, super informal, so just come on in and enjoy some juicy fertility awareness conversation. So again, I'm Chloe Skurlach. I am a Justice Holistic Reproductive Health Practitioner and Certified Fertility Awareness Educator. You can find my website at www.chloeskerlach.com. Email me with all of your questions, comments, bodily sensations at chloe at chloeskerlach.com. And anywhere on social media, you can find me at, at chloeskerlach. I especially love to play in Instagram. I'm always sharing photos of cervical mucus and cervixes, sharing some of my period rituals and some tips on charting your fertility with the Justice method. Just imagine that you are aware of the full spectrum of your cycle, everything from menstruation to ovulation and in between. And this awareness was as second nature as eating or sleeping. That is possible. And starting your fertility awareness practice today is what's going to help you to achieve pregnancy naturally without medical intervention. It's gonna help you to avoid pregnancy without hormones, without side effects. It's going to introduce you to yourself and your health and going to be a guiding tool so that you can become the best version of yourself. And we're done.